Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... Pastor Chet Haney here. His Mighty Hand is the name of our radio broadcast and our podcast. And we could not do it without you because if it weren't for our listeners, there would be no connection whatsoever. And we're thankful that you've connected with us today and I pray that God will bless you with the, um, with the teaching of this podcast, but also with the testimony. That's what we try to do on His Mighty Hand is tell stories and then give some biblical teaching to go with it. And the story today is a um, part three of a series of uh, interviews that we've had with our own Austin Anderson, our worship leader here at Highland Terrace. Thank you so much, Austin, for coming back with us for this additional third broadcast. It's my honor. Well, so glad to have you today. And I want to give Austin an opportunity. Let's get right to it so he'll have plenty of time. I want you to share with us about transitions, Austin, because you have uh, experienced some pretty cool life change in the past um, couple of years. And uh, God has sort of set you up and placed you in a new uh, position of responsibility and opportunity on a professional, also on a personal level and academically. Um, speak to us about all that a little bit and then segue into what you see as you look ahead uh, for the vision of our church in worship. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll start with the personal level. Okay. Uh, this past year uh, has brought kind of a, a whirlwind of things in my personal life uh, with decisions that I've had to make regarding school and where I'm going to live, where I'm going to work. But, of course, they weren't all decisions for me to make myself. The the Lord had to guide in the the right time, and he did. Uh, I I trusted him to pull me through that, and just this year has been an answer uh, that I needed. Amen. Uh, But I, uh, I got married this year. Wonderful wife, Kayla. Uh, she is a teacher at PTAA in Royce City, uh, elementary music. Uh, we met at ETBU uh, in the music department and started dating shortly thereafter, and, and the Lord's just guided that situation. Uh, I'm grateful and blessed to have her in my life and can't wait to see what the Lord does through our ministry together here at Highland Terrace. Amen. Y'all are such a good match. Uh, she's a wonderful compliment uh, to you in your ministry and just as a fun person uh, to be around. She's very uh, uh, exuberant, you know, in her spirit uh, when she leads worship. And she must be a lot of fun to be uh, to be around all the time. Yeah, that's that's her. You yeah. you see her on stage on Sunday. That's yeah. that's her personality throughout yeah. the week. Nice. She's very passionate about uh, 
what she does, especially when it involves ministry and children. So that's been a wonderful transition. I've been married how long now? Oh, about mm, three months. Three months. Three months. Man, doesn't seem like that long. I was I would have guessed about a month and a half or so. So it's been twice as long as I thought. And uh, you've transitioned into our church, and you're transitioning through um, this December. You'll finish your master's degree. That's awesome. I will. Yes. It's been a year and a half in the making on that, Uh, but flowing right out of my bachelor's degree, and the Lord basically dropped the opportunity in my lap uh, through some partnerships with the state conventions. Uh Uh, If I stayed at the school that I got my bachelor's degree Mm -hmm. at, I could get my master's tuition free. Wow. What a blessing. It was too good to pass up. No, Uh, you couldn't pass that up. And 24 years old, and you're about to finish your master's. That's great. Yes. You've really moved on in your preparation. It's good to have that behind you now. So as you look forward, um, what do you see um, in the future? What would you like to build here? And and what is your definition of uh, worship as it relates to your vision for the church? Well, uh Coming into Highland Terrace is a very unique opportunity that not a lot of people have uh, when they come into a church position. And it's been taking the rubble and the remains of what was where a tornado came in and destroyed the whole worship building. Right. And then basically a half-staff turnover Right. headed into a new season of life. We basically get to build the program from the ground up as the building and the program just skyrocket to the plans that the Lord has in store. There's tons of opportunity. Amen. Um, And that's not to say that it wipes away everything that was here because the heritage and the foundation is still there. Of course. Uh, Christ is the cornerstone and Whatever has been here, the tradition is carried on, Amen. but we have that to build on top of and to grow Amen. Uh, as we move forward. And we're in a, a prime time yeah. uh, for that, especially in in Greenville with our location right on the loop. Yeah. Uh, we've got a glorious opportunity uh, yeah. in the next Amen. five, ten years uh, to push for the future. I spoke to a man yesterday named Gary Smith. He's a uh, veteran pastor of many years in one of our great churches in Texas, Fielder Road Baptist Church in um, Arlington. And he now um, serves as a consultant encourager for the North American Mission Board. And I was so honored that he called. And we had a wonderful conversation. And uh he was asking me about some of the things that we've been through, our tornado, you know, COVID, uh, some of the struggles, you know, that we've had. Uh, it's been a interesting, challenging adventure, you know, to say the least for our church. As you said, uh, picking up the pieces from some of the rubble of the tornado has been symbolic, you know, a metaphor. And you know what Gary told me? He said at least 20 times in his 35 years, I think, at Fielder Road, 
he wrote out his resignation. Wow. (laughs) And he said he's so thankful now that he only turned it in once, Mm. which was when he retired. And he's really not retired. He's still got an office at the church, and he's, you know, working for NAM now. He's trying to help churches get connected with church planters that we can pray for and get to know and maybe develop a relationship with. It's a really cool ministry that he has. But he said this. He said, Chet, I'm so glad I didn't quit when things were down. Because if I would have, there were several times things were down, and God allowed me to stay through that down season to the other side where the blessing was. And he said this, Austin. He said, if I hadn't stayed through those times to the blessing season, I would be a bitter old man right Mm -hmm. now. And what a uh, great word of encouragement that is. And I just thank God for sending uh, young men like you, 24 years old, and you're not alone. We have several young guys, don't we, on our staff here right now who are full of God and full of uh, vision and ready to move out into a bright future that we just pray God is going to prepare together. Now, tell me what a worshiper is. Uh, Austin? Well, uh, there's several different definitions uh, based off of who you ask, but mm-hmm. the the working definition of worship that I always like to go by uh, is just by whoever sets foot in the doors of the church yep. and has their heart and mind tuned in on the focus of the Lord Jesus. Mm. Uh, you, you gather together, you have people on stage who are worship leaders yeah, but if there's no one there to join in with the worship, mm-hmm. it's just people singing to an empty room. Okay, so worship is vertical. It's focusing our attention on the Lord Jesus. Yes. Wow. That entails and brings in a lot of different applications of worship, a lot of different kinds of worship. Yes. Uh, can you worship God in other ways besides singing with an instrument in your hand? Absolutely. Uh, I've always been raised on the principle you can worship God in whatever you are called to do, uh, whether that's being on stage and playing a guitar or singing in a choir or whether that's being a mechanic at a shop or flipping burgers at McDonald's. If you do whatever you're called to do to the best of your ability to glorify the Lord, that is your act of service. Which is true for the guy with the bass guitar. It's true for the guy with the weed eater. It's true for the guy in the pulpit. It's true for the guy in the pew. Absolutely. We do what we do, focused vertically, vertically, on the Lord Jesus, the best we can, that's worship. Yes, sir. It's giving God our best because he is worth it, which essentially is what worship means. It's worth-ship. And if God is worth it, then you'll worship. That's a literal thing. Um, do you see a, a vision for this kind of worship uh, maybe catching fire? Austin, and affecting more people around us and growing into a big flame? Oh, definitely. There's a plethora of opportunities. Uh, but the the one that 
the vision that sticks in my mind is something yep. that is multi-generational and multicultural and uh, thank you stylistically variant you, you, you don't have to get locked into one specific facet of worship and music yeah you do something that spans across uh, all those different fields yeah you pull from different areas yeah I mentioned on the previous episode that your dad sang at my family reunion years before you and I ever met or knew we were ever going to meet. And uh, can I tell you something about that experience? Sure. When your dad was out there singing at my family reunion, we didn't separate by age groups. We didn't say the old people have to sit over here and the you know, teenagers, y'all sit over here, and the little kids, we want you over in this section, and the, you know, middle-aged adults, y'all sit over here. You don't do that at a family reunion. You've got little kids sitting in old people's laps, and a little bit older kids running around all over the place, and teenagers having fun, and you know, getting hugged by everybody. Oh, you're so cute. You look just like your daddy. <laughs> All that kind of stuff is going on because there's a lot of love there because it's a family. Yes. And, you know, church is a family. And worship doesn't have to be a time to separate. That's right. It's actually a time when we can be multicultural, multigenerational, and stylistically um, variable and stylistically uh, generous in our patience toward others who may have a, a, a preference, you know. Absolutely. It's not exactly our number one preference, but we respect it and we can worship with them too. Right. So praise God for that, Austin. Thank you so much for sharing that with us today and thank you for being on this series of. Uh, Interviews, it's been a blessing to have you. If you could share one thing with somebody out there listening today who really doesn't have a concept of worship because they don't really have a relationship with Jesus yet, what would you say to that person just to encourage them to uh, to recognize that the mighty hand of God is indeed involved in our circumstances, sometimes when we don't even know it? I would definitely say... Listen, mm. um, because the voice of God is out there, yeah. and He's speaking to us uh, even through other people that we interact with and encounter on a daily basis. So keep your ears open, listen, yeah, and let Him speak to you. Amen. Could you just pray for that right now for all of our listeners, wherever they may be? Let's pray, and I'm going to ask you to lead us for their blessing today, for the hand of God to be on them right now. Yes, sir. Father God, we come to you today. We thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to get together in this studio uh, and record these series of podcasts. Uh, pray that the the message behind everything points directly to you and that you would convey it to the listeners how you see fit, Lord. I pray for those who have tuned in uh, and will be tuning in. Whoever comes across this, uh, none of us know their situations, but you do. Uh, 
you know each and every situation that every person in the world faces, and you're in control of it all. Amen. I pray if there's anybody out there who is is touched by the message or needs to hear this today, uh, that you would point them to tell someone, and you would direct them to uh, either us at Highland Terrace or someone in the local church across the area, and you would get them in touch and pray that you guide their lives in the direction that they're supposed to go according to your perfect will and your plan. And we pray all these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Austin Anderson, thank you so much. And thank you listeners for being a part today of His Mighty Hand. And now here's the host of His Mighty Hand, Pastor Chet Haney. I invite you to open your Bible to John chapter 11. And we're going to pick up where we left off two weeks ago as the Lord Jesus encounters Martha after the death of Lazarus. And Martha has a familiar question for him that I'm sure you know by heart. We'll look at that in just a few moments. But since it's been two weeks with a wonderful Sunday in between, wasn't last Sunday just such a blessing? As we gathered together back in God's house, thank the Lord, back in the saddle, and uh, thank you, Steve, for having the saddle set up out in the entryway this morning, just as a reminder of what J.C. Ivers told us, taught us, really, last Sunday that a saddle is not an easy boy. It's not a lazy boy or an easy chair or recliner. It is a, uh, it's a seat to get to work in. And we are back in the saddle, back to work. And I also appreciated so much as I walked in this morning, I could hardly tear myself away from the beautiful display that's right out here of the items that were found in The time capsules, and I hope you'll take a look at those. It's really remarkable that we found those time capsules during the demolition of the building. Uh, Somebody happened to be paying attention when the uh, bulldozer was working and scraping things out and spotted those two time capsules. Aren't you thankful that they were found and their contents have been opened? And a team of people, uh, Kelly Love and, and her helpers, have done just a wonderful, remarkable job of putting a beautiful display right out here in the foyer. I hope you'll take time to stop by there and look at some pictures and read some um, letters and other materials that are there. It's it's good for us to know where we came from. And that helps us uh, understand a little bit better where we're going. So where did we come from two weeks ago? Well, I want to give you a little bit of review since it has been two weeks since we were in this uh, passage together, we talked about some things that are really important for us to understand, one of which is kind of uh, surprising in a way, kind of unusual in a way, and it is the pleasure of the Lord at our desperation. Do you remember when we uh, rehearsed that where Jesus said, I believe it was in verse 5, uh, of chapter 11, he said, I am glad for your sakes that I did not come. 
Uh, it's almost as though Jesus is saying, I'm glad that you're going through a time of trial and difficulty and uncertainty. I'm glad that you had to wait. I'm glad that I didn't straighten it out right away. I'm glad for your sakes, for this reason, Jesus said, that you may believe. In other words, Jesus wants us to have something so much better than the solution we think we want to the problems that we're going through, as painful as they may be. And as clear as it may be to us what we think God should do and should do right now, sometimes Jesus chooses to wait because he's got something so much better. Our desperation can actually make Jesus happy. I was happy for your sakes, he said, that you may believe. Let me remind you, who was he speaking to when he said those words? Not the Jews. Not the unbelievers he was trying to convince. Now he's speaking to his disciples. Which tells us something. Even disciples need a little help with believing sometimes. Even disciples need a little bit of perspective on our problems and God's solutions because we don't always have the same agenda that God has. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts as Isaiah 55 reminds us. And we also learned something two weeks ago about Christians with strong opinions. As a matter of fact, we learned from this passage that Thomas, who we'll later see after the resurrection of Christ, is still a man with strong opinions. We learned that Thomas was so frustrated with Jesus' insistence on going back to Judea that he and the other disciples had tried to convince him, Lord, they don't have anything good in mind for you back there. Don't you remember? They took up stones to stone you. These people are bad and they are mad. And I don't think it's a good idea at all for you, Jesus, to go back there. We better stay here in the hills of Galilee where you can be safe and where we can protect you. Well, one of these days we're all going to learn, aren't we? It's not our job to protect Jesus, but quite the other way around. It's his job to protect us. And if Jesus has an agenda that includes a little bit of difficulty or perhaps even danger, we don't have to tell him what to do. We don't have to offer to him uh, our strong-minded opinions. Uh, Thomas was courageous. He was committed to the Lord. He was loyal to the death. He was wise in his own eyes, and he was completely mistaken and off base, which tells us something about Christians with strong opinions. Disciples with strong opinions, listen to this, are often wrong, but never in doubt. Let's be careful that our strong opinions are subject to the correction of God's perspective. And that we can admit it when we were wrong and stay humble before the Lord. Say, Jesus, thank you so much for waiting. Thank you so much for allowing me to go through what I'm going through. Thank you so much for the blessing of this trial. Uh, how wonderful it is and what a blessing it is to be able, as James says, to rejoice in our tribulations. To rejoice in our difficulties, to rejoice in our sufferings, because God's got something going on through this. Oh, 
that he wants to bless. I uh, told you about a story last time, two weeks ago, and really didn't have time to develop it then, so I'm going to take a little more time today about Zig Ziglar growing up in Louisiana, and he had a lady next door who was really good cook. Her name was Maud. And he went in there to see Maud one day, as he was often prone to do, because he found out that if he would hang out in the kitchen with Maud, he might get invited to stay for dinner. And Maud cooked the best biscuits, but one day she cooked a pan of biscuits, and they were flat as, he said, silver dollars. Now, Zig Ziglar probably wouldn't exaggerate, I don't think. But he said those biscuits were flat as silver dollars. And he said, what happened to those biscuits, Maud? You remember what she told him? She said they got cooked in the squat. Literally, she said they squatted to rise, but they got cooked in the squat. Now today, I want to borrow that image from Zig Ziglar. And I want us to build on it a little more. And let's look at the experience of Martha from this perspective. Here's some things we could miss if we get cooked in the squat, which is to say, if we forget how to wait on the Lord. Haven't we been told in many places throughout the scripture the importance of patience The importance of waiting on God. They that wait on the Lord, Isaiah says, will renew their faith. But how hard it is to wait. How frustrating and how agonizing, sometimes antagonizing it is to wait on the Lord. Because we know what God ought to do and we're ready for him to do it. We want him to do it right now. Lord, give me patience and give it to me right now. And so that's how we pray. But if... Jesus had not waited. There are several things I want you to see in Martha's experience that would not have been able to happen. And the first of them is simply this. If Jesus had not waited, Martha would not have experienced, first of all, a beautiful compassion. Notice what the Bible says here in verse 19. John chapter 11. The Bible says, after describing the four-day waiting period of Jesus and Bethany, which was near Jerusalem, out to the northeast, just a little bit beyond the Mount of Olives. Notice in verse 19, the Bible says, many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary and Martha. For what purpose? What does it say, church? To comfort them. They came to be a blessing to them. They came to comfort them concerning their brother. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been to comfort someone who's had a death in their family? And have you ever wondered as you go, what in the world am I going to say? I felt that. I still feel that just about every time. And I'm supposed to know what to say. And you know what I found? The greatest comfort sometimes comes not from what people say, but just from being there. And if you don't know what to say, go anyway. And if you don't say a word, it's okay. Because often, even on the cross, Jesus took comfort from those who were there. Woman, 
Behold your son. John, behold your mother. Jesus would never have been able to say that if they hadn't been there. And there is a great blessing to be received from those who understand the ministry of being there. It's so important to show compassion to those who are hurting. I want to tell you this. It's so important to allow yourself to receive that compassion when you need it. Don't be one of those people when you're going through hard times that pushes people away and stiff arms them and says, oh, you don't have to do that. It's okay. I'll be fine. You know, people want to do something nice for you. Let them. It's good for them. It's good for you to share this ministry of compassion. Quite frankly, Martha never would have experienced this if Jesus had come through on time, in her opinion. Because Jesus waited what had time to rise, like the dough which rises in the biscuits. Uh, You know what Jeanette told me about these biscuits? She said they're called angel biscuits. She told me that two weeks ago after the sermon. She said, Pastor, you ought to look it up. There's a recipe for angel biscuits. They have to rise a little while before you cook them. And obviously the correlation is if you don't wait, they're going to get what? Cooked in the squat. There's a lot of people who won't wait for God so they get cooked in the squat. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through 